All right. It's Easter Sunday. <laughs> I did not see myself speaking today. <laughs> Um, which why, is why I think I'm the perfect person to speak today. <laughs> um, stepping on my comfort zone. Um, Wendy, texted, Wendy texted me this week. We're good. Thank you. <laughs> Wendy texted me this week and said, hey, I thought you and the kids could do a little something on Sunday. <laughs> and you could stand up and speak. And in my mind, I went, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not good at that. Or, you know. I got a lot going on, and um, I'm trying to do something else. But those are all excuses, right? So I don't know if everyone knows how many jobs I have, but I will tell you. I'm a realtor. I am a wedding coordinator at the barn. I am the children's leader on Sunday here. I teach swim lessons at the gym. I'm a mom to these two. I'm a wife to that cameraman back there. <laughs> um, so I really thought I have a lot going on was a good excuse. <laughs> um, but that's all it was. It was an excuse for me to sit and be comfortable. And so when I listened to Jason's sermon last week, kind of hit me, <laughs> called me out. I don't want to sit under a rock. So I said, I'm the perfect person to be up here today because this is something that makes me uncomfortable. And really, I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> Um, and I don't think God wanted to have to send his son to die on the cross for us. And I don't think Jesus wanted to die on that cross. Jesus' death was awful. It was the most painful and phys painfully physical, mentally, and spiritual thing that any human could have gone through. But he did it for me, and he did it for you, and he did it for all of us. I don't know about everybody else, but I had a rough week. I got stressed out easily, <laughs> probably overscheduled myself. <laughs> I said yes to too many people, <laughs> and I worried over the little details. And I felt like a lot of times I didn't have control. So in the middle of the week, I was running really, really late from one of my many jobs to pick up these girls and head to an after-school activity, where after that I knew I had another after-school activity to get to, so I got stressed out. Um, and so I just pulled the car over. And the girls, of course, were like, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, Mommy needs a minute. And so I got a little emotional, and I said, God, I need to give it all to you today. And I felt like he just told me, I've given you that freedom. <laughs> And I didn't really, at that moment, I thought, that's silly. This is something super silly um, of an example of how you've given me freedom. <laughs> um, so I went straight to thinking about people in other parts of the world. You know, they're um, being killed over their beliefs or they're struggling to have water. Or, um, you know, some places you have to be vaccinated to go to the grocery store. Um, this world's crazy, but... I sat and thought on that, and I looked up verses about freedom, and so I looked up Galatians 5.13, and it said, my brothers and sisters, you were chosen to be free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to live under the power of sin. Instead, serve one another in love. Living in freedom is not focusing on ourselves and our selfish ways, but focusing on the Lord and what he's done for us. 
It's about seeing how much God loves us and us serving each other in that same way. And so Jesus died to give us that freedom. We are all sinners, which means sometimes we choose the wrong things, and that's okay. Everyone's burdens are different, and I'm thankful that mine are itty-bitty compared to other people's, but they are mine. And so my stress and my mistakes of the week were keeping me from experiencing the freedom to live joyfully as God would want me to. So I had to realize it's okay if my daughter misses her dance class. It's not the end of the world. So John 8.36 says, so if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. I may have been on an emotional roller coaster this week, but it's no way compared, ever compared to Jesus' week. I wasn't thrown a parade. I didn't restore a sacred temple. I was not betrayed by my best friend or arrested, tried, and executed. But his week ended pretty good sitting on that throne in heaven. So, so this week I realized it doesn't matter what your sin is or what the storm you're going through looks like. God wants you to be free. He wants to set you free. I wanted to say my problem wasn't big enough or I could handle it on my own. But God said, Casey, stop. And then this means literally the car. <laughs> Whatever you are going through, I want to give you freedom. And so 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to play a song, and so I'm going to ask all the kids to help me with this if they'll come to the back of the room and meet me there. Um, but I just want you to worship and read the verses. Give whatever you're carrying with you today to Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how big or how small. Jesus wants to give you freedom.
So I thought that was funny as they were leaving. Marley always knows to come to me after church, so I guess she assumed she did a really good job because she looked at me and she goes, can I have gummies now? <laughs> I said, sure, Marley. <laughs> uh, I always thought, oh, Marley really likes me, and then I figured out, no, she just thinks that I always keep gummies, and she really likes me because I have gummies. <laughs> So, um, one of the things the Lord put on my heart um, during this time is I was reading over scripture. We all know some of these scriptures. We've all heard them. We all think about things that has to do with the resurrection. But the, one of the things that the Lord really impressed on my heart that I've looked at before, but it's like I didn't really think about it, is the color purple. Um, I, I always think, oh, yeah, the color purple what does that represent that represents royalty and he is a king but I forget about the part where they actually put purple on him and mocked him so today when the kids were coming up I don't know if you noticed I actually tried to find purple flags that was not so easy so we just made you know purple sticks with ribbon but that represents that he is our king. Even though he was mocked in the purple, he is robed in righteousness. And so uh, they thought that they would get by with, oh, let's put it on him and mock him and spit in his face and all that. But, you know, when our king 
comes back for the final time. He's, he's on the throne, and he's in control right now of everything that's going on. Praise the Lord, because we're nothing without him, and we get to be victorious because of what he did. But I love it when he comes back. He's going to be robed in so much glory. It says the sun and the moon have to take a back seat to all his brilliance. And, and the other day when I was reading scripture, I thought about that. I was like, whoa, because you can't even look up at the sun without being like, whoa, that's too bright when it's bright. And so he's going to be brighter than that. But the reason why the kids had the purple today is because he is our king. And that's what that represents. And so I just wanted to remind you all one other thing. I just wanted to read that scripture that had to do with that and just a thought of um, that was an image for me that when I read that I was like wow I haven't thought about that in that way before but when I read the scripture it's John 19 2 through 3 the soldier twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head which would be extremely extremely excruciating they didn't just lay it they pushed it on his head could you imagine when you just get a, um, I don't know, a splinter in your hand or somewhere, how painful that can be until you can remove it? Just think he couldn't, there was no removing it. <laughs> painful. We don't understand how, what the pain that he went through for us, and he willfully did it. And, you know, I always think about, even when I'm thinking about this, I'll tell you the one thing that I always think about. I think about every sin before he come, until he comes back, was put on him. You think about just how painful your sin is to you. Could you imagine hundreds of millions of thousands of people's sin and the weight that was on him? That doesn't include the crown, the nails, the beatings, the betrayal. I couldn't even, like that just doesn't even, I can't even... I can't even get that. So John 19, 2, 3, 3, the third part of the verse says, um, or, okay, I'll read it over. The soldier twisted together the crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, and then they went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him and spit in his face. You've already been, all that stuff's already happened to you, and then the final, let's, let's do this one other act of humiliation. And so think about today, when, when we end this today, today is a day that we just continually, we should always do it, but thank the Lord for what God sent his son to do for us. It like blows me away. If I can just sit there and think of those thoughts, my stuff, other people's stuff does not compare to what Jesus did for us. We can't even imagine to when you are crying and in agony because you know what you're going to have to take on and you are sweating out blood. That, I mean, that, I just can't comprehend that. And so I'm going to read one last thing and I'm done. In remembrance of the purple robe, 
the Roman soldiers put it on Jesus to mock him. Church displays the color purple during this time of mourning, the emotional and physical anguish that Jesus underwent during the Passion, and also to proclaim that he is the true king of all kings. And so, Lord, um, I'm going to say a final, I had a few other words to say. Uh, I'm going to say this one other thing. The color purple is therefore a somber vigil reminder of the color worn by the true king before his ultimate sacrifice for us and the promise uh, that promotes us to take action, to repent of our sins and ask God for forgiveness for the renewal in our faith. And so I'm going to say a prayer before Jesus or before Jason comes up here and not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is here though. He's always welcome here. The Trinity is here. And so I'm going to say a quick prayer that today uh, we're just reminded and we're able to go out and tell the world the king that we serve and to give people hope. There's a lot of people that don't have hope right now all over the world. And I'm going to pray for Israel today because the Lord's been putting Israel on my heart. And so I'm going to pray for Israel today and just pray that in these, these times that us as Christians can be the light that God called us to be. And so, Lord, I lift everybody up in here. I lift all the churches all around the world up to you right now, Father God. You are the true king. You are coming back. You are on the throne. You are in control of everything seen and unseen. Father God, we thank you, Father God, that we are victorious over death, over all the sin, Father God. We are nothing without you. And so, Father God, in these days and times, Lord, I ask that you help rise up the remnant, Father God. Help us to be willing to forgive others quickly, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Help us, Father God, to fight the good fight. Father God, um, I ask that you are the only true king, Father God. I ask that you help us to serve you every day, that we will die to our flesh, Father God. Help us to understand what that means, Lord. You are pioneering a new way and a new uh, paradigm for us to walk into. Lord, help us um, just to remember the things that we need to from our uh, past that are good things you've taught us, but help us to walk and shift in that new paradigm, that new level. Show us, Lord, what that looks like. Help us to not be afraid of it in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that you sent your son to die on the cross, Lord, a very cruel death that we cannot understand. But Father God, help us every single day to draw closer and closer to you. Help us to want to love others the way that you love them, Lord. Help us to bring others into the kingdom before you come back. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we're nothing without you and we need your help and we need your blessings. Lord, I lift up Israel to you, Father God. I lift up Netanyahu and all the leaders in Israel, Father God. Lord, I ask that you wake them up and you shake them up in the natural realm and the spiritual realm. You show them who the true king is, Lord, that they will only serve you, Father God, no other gods before you in the name of Jesus, Lord. I ask that you bless the Christians that are there right now. 
that are being persecuted, whether they're being physically persecuted or just emotionally persecuted or things are being taken from them, Lord. I ask that you give them courage and strength, Father God, that, Father God, you rain down manna when they can't go to the store or they're being kept from being able to get their shots or when I'm talking about medical uh, needs or whatever it is or financial, Lord, that, Father God, you will just sweep in there, Father God, and do creative miracles. And so that will be the witness to the people that are not um, followers of you. And they'll say, how did you get that when you haven't got the COVID shot? Or how did this happen? Or how? And that the only thing that the ones that are true believers can say it is the God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that I serve. He is the king that delivers me from every situation and every circumstance. And so, Lord, I ask for a blessing on Israel today and the leaders, Lord. Bless them in a way that I can't. But, Father God, you just send your warring angels, Father God, to sweep through that whole place inside and out, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, do you guys need to hear another sermon on Easter Sunday? Haven't you heard all the sermons there are to give on Easter Sunday? First of all, I'm going to not call it Easter, we're going to call it Resurrection Day, because Easter is a pagan holiday that we modeled after to have something that Christians could do while the pagans were doing their little praising to their God name, something close to the word Easter, okay? So it's Resurrection Day, and I'm going to argue that we don't need another sermon, we need to brag on our Jesus Christ, our Savior, okay? So how do we brag on him? We give testimonies. And some of y'all got excited and some of y'all cringed. Oh, my God. He's going to ask me to come and give my testimony. And i got to talk about all the bad things I've done. And I was having a really good Sunday and I was fired up. Now I'm scared to death. And oh, my God. <laughs> some of y'all have had a heads up since Thursday night. That was the reward if you came Thursday night. You got a little heads up on this. If you didn't come Thursday night. All right. I want to clarify something. Don't go to the thought that every time you give a testimony, you've got to tell about all the bad things you've done. Okay? The purpose of a testimony is to tell what Jesus has done in your life. So I'm going to ask however many people want to come up today. I don't care if it's two. Better be more than two because we had people here on Thursday that were challenged. I don't care if it's two or 30. And I want to ask you to try to keep it to two or three minutes. Okay? I'm going to start by giving you two examples because a testimony can be what Jesus saved you from. A testimony can be what Casey just gave. She had a rough week. She pulled over and God spoke to her. Revelation says Satan was defeated by the blood of the lamb that we're here to celebrate today, the blood of the lamb, the resurrected Jesus, and the power of our testimonies. If we're not willing to tell everyone how Jesus has helped us and got us through our week and gets us through our day, we're dummying down what the resurrection was all about, okay? And the best way you can honor someone is to brag on them. If I wanted to tell you about my friend Ryan, Ryan, sorry I didn't ask for permission for this. I could tell you, my friend Ryan, I've known him for six, seven, eight years. I don't really remember how long. 
and it's a fact. And I can tell you he's a father, and he's a husband, and he works for Discovery TV, and he keeps up with spreadsheets, and he works with numbers so big it doesn't matter if he's off a million dollars or so. Okay, those are all factual things, right? And you learned about Ryan. I can tell you when he was born. I mean, I can't remember. I can tell you his birthday. I can tell you all these facts. But what if I told you what he did for me this week? This week he reached out to our youth and encouraged them. This week he helped me coach a baseball team. He didn't have to help coach so we can invest in 11 to 13-year-old boys and show them Jesus through coaching. This week he reached out to every one of the youth servants with me on the text multiple times and told them how much he couldn't wait to see them and gave them Bible verses and gave them songs. And this is just this week. Okay, would you rather hear about, G- about Jesus? We keep calling each other Jesus. If you, would you rather hear about Ryan being a CPA or about Ryan investing in people's lives this week and helping us? Okay, do you get the point? I can tell you all day long about Jesus and what he did, and those are all awesome things, and we do that all the time. But I'm going to assume you know all those facts, and we're going to brag about him today. Okay? This week, and you guys, most of y'all have heard my testimony, so it would do me no good to get up here and re-give my testimony. So I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Two to three minutes a piece or so. We're not going to put a timer on you. This week, I met with a man. This man came to us as a groom. He and his fiance are scheduled to get married in June. He did some things over the last couple of weeks that she can't get past, and they broke it off. And I reached out to him and said, can, will you meet with me? And we sat down for coffee. He was hesitant to meet. We sat down for coffee, and he started telling me a few things that had happened. He was really embarrassed. And I stopped and I said, let me tell you my story. See, he hadn't heard my testimony. And I told him my story and he loosened up and he said, thank God somebody understands. He's a Christian. He made some bad choices. He needed to have someone sitting across the table from him that would say, I screwed up too, man. I didn't do exactly what you did. You didn't do exactly what I did. It doesn't matter. I screwed up and here's how Jesus fixed it. And I can help you through Jesus. That's bragging on my Jesus because now I have purpose for the pain I went through. I can look back and be ashamed of all the things I did, but Jesus' blood covered that. Now I get to help men and make them feel more comfortable that they're not alone and that they're not freaks and that they're not whack jobs. Those are the terms he used. Okay, that's one example of a testimony. Here's number two, and this one's really good. We have a dear friend named Melissa. Some of you know Rob and Melissa, some don't. Rob is on our board of directors for our ministry. Rob and Melissa, in addition to Jeff and Sue, have been huge, huge in helping me learn how to walk people through inner healing and what the importance is. Um, Rob is one of my best friends. Melissa is one of Wendy's dear friends, also a dear friend of mine. And last July, in the midst of all this chaos of COVID, she was diagnosed with cancer. I don't really know all the details because I'd never really ask. I just started praying. I do know that it was in her bones. She went into the doctor and they did some kind of scan. She had like a nod on her shoulder or something. They did some kind of scan. And you, you doctor people are going to laugh at me for not knowing the terms. But they did some kind of scan with dye. And apparently the cancer's in her bones, so the dye would show up where the, where the cancer's eating her bones away. And the doctor said, your body is lit up like fireworks. When we did the dye, it's lit up like fireworks. And she said, yeah, that's the glory of God shining through me. 
That was her answer to finding out she had cancer through her whole body and her bones. And the doctor said, well, that's a good, that's a good thought and everything, but I'm just going to go ahead and warn you to, to, to prepare you that this doesn't end well. You will end up on hospice at your house, and you will die. That's what the doctor told her. That was July. A couple weeks ago, she went in to get that same scan done again to see the progress. They weren't supposed to get the results till sometime in April. Somehow they got called in early. They went in, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I don't remember which day. Rob called me, and he said, I've got something to share with you. And he sounded, he was, he was overwhelmed, and I couldn't tell if it was a good overwhelmed or a bad overwhelmed. And he said they did the scan again, and when they went to, do, to read it, there was, there was no fireworks. There's nothing. Not only is there nothing... Melissa, your bones have started calcifying, like when you have a broken bone and it fixes itself. Your body's fixing itself. There's no more cancer. And your bones are recalcifying over the open, broken, dented spots, and we're not going to have to do anything. And if you guys know Melissa, you know she looked right at him and said, I told you what my God would do. And you know what that doctor said? That's our God. See, sometimes we pray and we wonder, why. We, I, mean, I want that miracle healing right now. But maybe God needed her to walk through this to show his glory from July 2020 till April of 2021 so that doctor would see the power of God. That's a testimony to our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so I'm going to open the floor. Who's next? Okay, how many of you were here last week and heard Crystal's test and heard her testimony? I want to tell it to you from the backside because I was with her. And it was during COVID when you could only have one person in, and I was the designated visitor to her hospital room. She came for uh, what I thought would be four weeks and stayed six and a half months. And I want to tell you what an encouragement she was to me through the midst of all of that terrible stuff that went on with her. I never once once, not once, heard her complain, even when she could barely whisper. Never once heard her complain about anything. Never once heard her complain about the, the discomfort of the bed or the way that things happened with what they did to her that they didn't need to do to her or that it was somebody else's fault that her ureter got cut and she had to have a bowel resection. Never once did I ever hear anything come out of her mouth except God has good in this. And he will turn this around for good. And when there were times when she was just, could barely speak, and we didn't know what the next step would be, is she going to live, is she going to die, is she going to end up in intensive care, what's going to happen here? God would send somebody in, the cleaning lady, give her a word of encouragement, the lady that picks up the, or the man that picks up the, the, those needles, you know, that are all bloody and have, something has to happen to them, you know. One time, one of those people came in and they said, let me tell you, in three months, I had seven operations and I didn't know if I was going to live or die. But I want to tell you today, you're going to rise up out of this bed and you're going to give glory to God for your healing. And she turned around and left. I wanted to give that testimony to you because I feel like there's some of you in here who have some of these situations in your life, not so much that you're sick, but you're working with someone or you have somebody in your life that perhaps you're taking care of, 
or you know of people that are taking care of people. And I want to tell you what an encouragement you can be because she was a, an encouragement to me. And I got to tell you, I was tired. It's not easy taking care of somebody that doesn't belong to you, if I can say it that way. But Crystal became a daughter to me. And the Lord would often say to me, take good care of her, because when she goes back, there are thousands that are going to reap the benefits from her life. So you don't know. That's what I'm saying. So who's next? I want to give glory to God for what he did for her. Yeah? You heard the testimony. You heard what she does. Who's next? And come on. Do I have to call on somebody? Oh, wait, hold it. Yeah, come here a sec. And then I want to say, Krista left on Tuesday, went home to her family, and Wednesday our family came, so hallelujah. Can you hold that for me? Look at that, wow. You want me to hold this up forever? I mean, I will, yeah. Not at all. I'm in control when I hold the mic, you know. So for me to give a two-minute testimony is impossible. <laughs> so I, I got on cardboard. I've got a picture of my life. Jesus has done so much for me. That scripture that says, forgiven much, loves much, that's me. And I know that's a lot of you. So I'm just going to hold this up. And where's Peyton? He's gone. Oh, there could you play that song just in the background, the testimony? I, I'm going to, victory, that, yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, that one. I'm one sorry, I'm getting, the, just, but it said, but instead of saying, I'm going to see a victory, I've seen the victory. So I'm going to hold this up. So I, I don't know what some of you think of me. You think, oh, this is this Christian woman. It's been that way all of her life. I don't think so. <laughs> this lady knows me. <laughs> But I'm going to go ahead and hold this up. You can read it, and then I'm going to then I'm going to show you what God has done in my life.
this represents my life. All these broken mirror shards are my life, the broken pieces of my life. And Jesus, Yeshua, took each one of these pieces when he died on the cross. And he said, daughter, it doesn't matter what you did. I love you. And he's saying that to each and every one of you. It doesn't matter what you did in your life. Come to him. He will put you back together. It might take some time, right, Sue? (laughs) Or it could be automatic. But he loves you. There's always gems hidden in darkness, right? Beauty for ashes. Who's next? You want the mic? Yeah? That was really beautiful. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Um, The Lord gave me that vision as well. He showed me my heart and how it was. I've been through a lot. Um, (laughs) I don't need to go through all of it, but... I relate. And so, and he showed me all the broken pieces of my heart and how he was putting all those pieces back together. Um, and, and how uh, he was making it more beautiful. And it was like this beautiful stained glass and all these colors, all these beautiful colors, right? How he transforms our lives and makes our life into these beautiful colors. And so, anyway, a lot of you don't know me. <laughs> I'm Sarah. I'm Sue's daughter-in-law. And um, I just, I, when, I just want to give testimony to God because I prayed <laughs> in um, last year, January in 2020. And um, I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea what, you know, a lot of us didn't know in January what was going to happen. But the Lord kept waking me up in the morning and he kept saying to me, I need you to pray. I need you to press in and I need you to pray. And he would wake me up like at three, four, you know, five o'clock. It didn't matter. And I'm like, Lord, can't you just like ask me to pray during the day? (laughs) And so... He would wake me up, and, and I would start praying. And, and then he told me, he said, I want you to pray that you'll come to Tennessee. And so here I am. And I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm so grateful to be with here with all of you. And um, I know that... We, we live in Washington State, and there's been a lot of oppression there. And it's been really hard. And I have battled with depression. And I have battled, and I've watched my children battle and struggle. And when my son said, Mom, I got to go, <laughs> I was like, I understand, son. <laughs> But I knew that God was moving them on, and it was, it, you know, and it was a challenge to, um, to just see how he was just kind of struggling to move on. But anyway, 
um, I just praise God for the opportunities that he's given him. And um, I know that it was him. But it's just like, I think we've got to brag on, because I think we all have testimonies that of God, what God did in 2020. <laughs> you know, the enemy meant it for evil, like the song said, but God turned around and used it for good, and I think he's continuing to turn around and using it for good. And so um, I know he's shifting our family. He's done all kinds of good. Um, we became, my husband, Michael, we became grandparents, <laughs> um, which we certainly, you know, didn't see that happening, but, you know, but it's been a huge blessing. And, um, and our daughter, it's just been a huge blessing in her life. And so, um, anyway, I just, I was just thinking, I, I know we've got testimonies of, you know, what God has done this last year. So, because he's, he's done a lot in my life. So, if he's done a lot in my life, I know he's done a lot in everybody's life, too. So, who's next? <laughs> So I'm going to give a short little testimony slash word, I guess. I don't really know what to call it. But, like, I, I haven't, I, the only, I've only heard, like, I, don't, I didn't hear Lonnie's and I haven't heard any of them because I've been out there helping with kids. But I heard her talk about how God turned around 2020. And that's, that's, how, and that's I'm going to add on to that. Because the devil meant 2020 for evil, but then God turned it around to good. And uh, a way that that happened is I've grown a lot more deeper in depth with God through 2020. Because, like, back then, before 2020, I was just, eh, I mean, I just, like, like when I worshipped, I would just stand there and I might say a couple words and maybe a couple words while I worship in the, from the song. But now I really have realized what who Jesus is because used to, I used to see a fake Jesus. Like I used to, I didn't really, I don't really know how to explain it, but I didn't really treat it very seriously. I was just like, well, I mean, you don't really have to do anything. To, and uh, uh, as long as I'm saved, I'm perfectly fine, I'm going to go to heaven. And I never really thought anything about it, but through 2020, we were in the quarantine, so I started reading in my Bible more, and God challenged us with a lot more, and I was never really challenged before 2020, and there was a bunch of challenges. And whenever you're challenged, and whenever you get out of your comfort zone, you always grow. So we always look back in 2020, and we're like, oh, that was an awful year. But really, it was an amazing year for me. And maybe not for y'all, but it was amazing for me. And I'm very glad 2020 happened. And I saw a lot of good stuff happen, like a lot of miracles and a lot of stuff happened. Like, trying to, there's a bunch, and I'm trying to think of one. We, uh, I 
was going to say something, but I forgot what I was going to say. But we just, like, like I was saying, we always just think of 2020 as a bad year and all this bad stuff. But instead of looking at it in a negative way, we need to start finding the positives and stuff. Because if we look at the negative things, it'll bring ourselves down. We'll go into depression of, oh, everything's just awful. But if we look at the positive things, it'll build us up and it'll make us be stronger and bolder for Jesus. Then if we just sit back and we just think about all the bad things and how COVID hit and all these people got the sick from COVID and all this bad stuff happened, or we can go look at the positive stuff. And so, who's next? Thanks, Jason. It's funny looking back on your life. I'd say the biggest turning point was 10, for me, 10 years ago. And it's, I still have yet to figure out where this person came from, but you'll understand as this goes. I am at UT sophomore year. Well, yeah, and um, haven't known God at all my whole life, um, mainly from my upbringing, which is okay. Um, but I'm going to class, and this guy pulls me aside and says, hey, I want to ask you a question. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, sure, why not? And I'm standing outside that the door. I'm talking like, there's the classroom, and I'm talking to this guy right here, and I'm watching people walk in, going into class. And I got to talking about this guy, this guy, and he was just asking me questions about my life. I was kind of going, who is this guy? How does he know who I am? How does he know? I mean, I don't, I, I commute from Maryville to, to Knoxville every day, so it's like I don't hang out. I don't go to parties. I don't go to anything like that. He's just talking to me, and I'm answering his questions, and immediately as he answers my question, scripture, 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 scripture. I'm going, dude, this guy knows a lot. Uh, and it got me thinking and interested and curious. And I guess what I'm up here saying is, Find making someone think about it puts them one step closer to God. Um, I've seen that in my life when me and my brother have argued, and I told him he was, or he told me I was wrong, and then I told him what I thought, and then as he's not a believer, he goes and reads his Bible or goes and looks at a Bible and starts reading scripture for three or four hours and because he, he wants to prove me wrong, right? We're, we're twins, so it's with butt heads a lot. Well, guess what? I, he stepped and started reading scripture when he's never done it before. So back to the story. After 
I, I think I actually came in, I talked to Jason or Casey when we were first started dating or anything, and I was just like, man, I got to figure out who this guy is. He told me his name. He told me I can look him up on the UT directory and everything. His name is Caleb, and I could not find him the next day. At all. I uh, went to the UT directory, searched his name, couldn't find him at all. I was like, who is this guy? I waited outside the classroom, had no clue who he was. I, was. I missed class that day, by the way. I was standing right outside the room five feet away, and I totally missed the class. And it uh, didn't matter. But that is my first step, I think, if I were to really dig back. So my... I guess challenges, maybe you can be that first step for someone else because um, I'm still working on being that first step for someone, but at least I know I can challenge my family on it. And I guess that's good for me for now, but finding a stranger, I guess, is going to be the hard part. Uh, Well, not right in today's times, but in general. Finding someone that you can actually affect in that way is going to be difficult. But I think we all can do it. So. Was that short enough? Okay, good. Jason taught me to be comfortable in silence. I think I could succumb to the uncomfortable silence. <laughs> All right, I kind of knew in advance, but I had no like no idea what I was doing until this morning. So I'm just letting y'all know that. Okay, so um, I'm a call, and I'm not sure if I'm talking too loud. And um, you know, I came over here from Middle Tennessee, and um, you know, it's not very often I don't really bring up certain parts of my past in my testimony, just because. I gotta wait for God for that, and also, you know, and so one of the things many of y'all may not know about me is um, several times, well, three to four times in my life, I was what um, the government would consider homeless. Um, I don't talk about that very much because it's a um, rough part for me, but um, in that it always, you know, I always felt like there was something I was chasing after, whether it be like a place of belonging a place of acceptance, a place of, um, you know, where my weirdness could be, you know, welcomed. <laughs> but, you know, um, today we're here to celebrate <laughs> a victorious king and a wonderful father. You know, um, how I got over here is I was born way up in, like, wait, west, yes, western, northwestern Kentucky in a really tiny town, and I should not have gotten out of there, I don't even know, it was totally gone on that, brought me down to Tennessee, down to north of Nashville, and then I found this tiny little school called Miraville College, had no idea anything about it, ended up coming over here because of golf, and you all know that story, Um, but, you know, 
the biggest growth I've seen has been in the past, I guess it's four years now, a senior over at the college, uh, a few of us are, and um, it's been a really beautiful journey that uh, God, you know, has just carried me through <laughs> a majority of the way. <laughs> you know, um, I've been through a lot of hard things in my life, and that homelessness was like one of them, and it was an unusual circumstance, but um, I didn't realize throughout that whole time up until the past couple of years that it's like God was there for me in that way. Around this time last year, um, COVID was happening. I was staying with the Butlers because I was like alone over at the college. It was all kinds of weirdness going on. And um, one of the things that I was asked by my family, it's like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, what are you going to do? You should be fearful of this virus. You should come home and stay over here where it's safe and not go out on your own. And you know, chase after Jesus like you've been trying to do. And I said, God will take care of me. God will take care of me. That's all I could say because that's the only answer that I kept on hearing. All the arguments, all the everything. It's like, oh, aren't you worried about this? You don't have a job that's like consistent and this, that, and the other. And You know, all I could say was God will take care of me. And, um, I've been working through the layers of figuring out who I, I am. And uh, it was either this week, this past week, or the week before. I don't even know. I think I opened one of those Easter things on the Bible app. I, I, I had no idea how, what I was doing with it, but I was like, okay, this seems cool. And um, the verse came up, Romans 8, 14. And... It was like in a different version than usual, and I, I've read it before, and God told me that I need to read this to you all this morning. It says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You do not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you've received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. Because I consider, you know, I consider... All y'all here, you're my family. We're all under Father, being guided by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes going in the throne room with Jesus, you know. And it says, and you will never feel orphaned, for he rises up within us. Our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. You know, the other version, the message version, it says, what's next, Papa? Which I thought about saying, you know, that's pretty cool. It's like, okay, what's next, Father? Where are you taking me next? Because, you know, there are places he wants to take us. And letting go the things that we've left behind, the dead self, the self we left behind before we came and were welcomed into the fold of our good shepherd. It says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. And he said to said, each one of you, you are God's beloved child. Every one of us in this room are his beloved children. He has a tailor-made love for each one of us. He knows us by name, knows the amount of hairs on our head. 
odd thing, but cool. Um, and it says, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. You know, up here on the screen, we've talked about the level of suffering that he had to go through. And I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if they still do this today. I'm sure they do in some parts of the world. But having that weight and having all of that suffering and that he did that for us and that we are his co-laborers because we are co-laborers with the king who rose, rose to glory and wants us and chose us and loves us. So all I can say is um, once you find out that you are a resident of the house of the Lord. And you accept that his love is made for you. <laughs> and that you have a home with him. Because it took me a long time to find that out. It took me a long time to find that out. He will take you places. And lead you to things. So that you can do the works for the kingdom so that we can keep having testimonies here on earth, walking, living, breathing testimonies that are each, each and every one of us, because all of us, we have something important to add to this world because God lives inside of us and lives through us. We just have to let him do it. some uncomfortable silence too. <laughs> okay, so I could have tons and tons of testimonies, but I'm just going to share one, uh, one from 2020, and I'm a nurse, so, you know, it's been totally horrible, and I would go to work each day, and we'd watch, you know, our different co-workers get sick, and put in the hospital, and watch some die, and it was just really bad. And I would go into work, and instead of having six patients, you'd have ten. There wasn't enough nurses. Nobody to take care of them. The patients are sicker. You're fed up with work. You're wanting another job. Every day you're thinking, oh, I just need, if I had a different job, let me look and see who's hiring today. What about this? What, you know, it's bad wherever you go. But there was one day I came in, and our um, shift leader nurse, she, one of the nurses I respect the most, she was sick with COVID, and her and her brother-in-law and her sister both got it, and her brother-in-law died. Her husband got it. She was put in the hospital. Her husband, he had got what they call COVID brain, where you get really confused. You don't really know what's going on. So he was in the hospital. She was in the hospital. Her brother-in-law died, and we're all praying for her. I come in, and we've got 10 patients apiece when normally we would have six. And I'm like, this is crazy. I can't keep doing this. And I'm in there still doing it pulling my meds, going through my mind, saying, you know, they're trying to kill us. It's like we are, in a, we are frogs. And so this, this is what I do in my spare time at work is I'm getting everybody's medicines ready, analyzing in my mind. I'm like, we're like the frogs in, in water, and they're just turning up the heat and turning up the heat. And I need Peyton for this. Where'd Peyton go? 
Come back up. So I'm still playing it out. Life isn't fair. Poor me. You know, we're all just frogs in water. That's it. That's exactly what's going on here. They don't pay us enough. You know, here we're all risking our lives. Wah. And in my head at that moment, I hear the song, There's Another in the Fire. So I need Peyton to play There's Another in the Fire because then I felt bad. And I was like, guys, you know, I'm in this med room complaining telling everybody how we're all just a bunch of frogs and they're turning up the heat and we don't know we're slowly dying and in my mind is another in the fire and I hear it all day at work and just keeps playing so that's kind of my little go ahead Peyton because every time I hear that song I think of me frustrated coming out of the bedroom and Jesus is there with us
so I did not want to come up here, but my hands started sweating, and I started shaking. <laughs> I was like, I guess I have to go. So this is kind of like Jeff's situation that he, he had an encounter. So my wife talked about 2020. I guess I'm going to go back to 2001. Now, I work at Denzo, and we just had a daughter, and she was born with medical issues. And I was really stressed out and worried because nobody knew what it was. So I always stop at this gas station on the way home from work. And, uh, you know, I walked in just like normal, and there's this guy on the curb just sitting outside the door. Homeless guy, that's what he looked like. You know, longer hair, just looked a mess. I just walked right by him. Went in the store, got what I wanted to get, and on my way out, I passed back by him and reached for my door handle. Opened my door handle and turned around, and there he was right here in my face. And he's like, it'll be okay. It's like, what are you talking about? He said, your daughter. She'll be okay. So out of unbelief, I turned around, I was going to get my car, and I just looked back, and he was gone. Nobody there. And, uh, you know, for months, driving by that gas station, I would look, and there's nobody over there. So, 20 years later, she's still, <laughs> she's still sitting there, beautiful one healthy and just as good as she could be. <laughs> well, you can't beat some of those. Oh, my goodness. Um, so when Jason asked us to do that, to I kept thinking, Lord, I've got so many. Uh, you know, it, I went through my mind of, of things that the Lord was showing me. God's, God's healed me, delivered me, and saved me from literally death more than once. And um, But a story that came to my mind was um, a Peyton. Yeah, some of y'all have heard this story that the doctor said that Peyton uh, wouldn't live, or if he lived, he's going to have all these health issues, and they basically give me the option to abort him and I was like well that's not an option <laughs> and that was before I really understood spiritual warfare I, I was a Christian and I loved the Lord and I trusted in the Lord but I wasn't where I am today but anyway God was like yeah that's not an option um, but here's the crazy part about that the enemy wanted us both out so we take it to where I'm eight months pregnant. Jason's not at home. We don't have family that lives around this area. And to be honest, at the time when we had moved here, um, I had just made a few friends, and so I didn't really, most all my friends were in Knoxville. And I could call them and they'd come, but I did have a friend that lived up the road, a lady that was not a believer, but she'd do anything for me. And so anyway, um, just a thought went through my head. 
oh, I need to go get gas today. I need to take, it's just a normal day of getting things done. Jason wasn't there. He was in, I think, Nashville. And I was like, okay, I need to get that done. So I've got this big old belly, and I gained a lot of weight, and I was really swollen. So not a lot of clothes or shoes fit me at the time, so I was constantly wearing flip-flops. And uh, so anyway, we lived on a little steep embankment type thing where our house was. Um, Jason had a truck at the time, and I don't know why at that moment, I think my car was in the garage, and I was like, oh, I'll just take his truck because he had a work car too. So anyway, I decided to do my errands, get in the car, or get in the truck, and I start the truck. I thought I had it up in park because it was one of those, but I didn't have it all the way up in park, and it was on a hill. And so as I proceeded to get out with my big old belly and my flip-flops, all of a sudden the truck started taking me with it down the driveway. So it's dragging me. I'm in between because I had literally just stepped out. I'm grabbing, steering. I, I really don't even know what I was grabbing at the time because the door's open. I'm standing here, and it's dragging me. The truck is dragging me down the, the driveway. Well, right behind the driveway is a road. And, um, and so anyway, it proceeds to drag me down the driveway. And as I'm going, all I can do is just say the name of Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me. And as I, I really don't remember everything, but all I remember is falling like down on all fours. The truck somehow comes back and barely runs over me, runs over my legs, somehow runs over my legs. Praise the Lord. The truck, I mean, it's running, so it gets caught on the curb on the other side of the road. So that's what stops it from running back over me. Because by this time, I'm bloody, I can't move, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm, I think it's trauma plus it's pain. And so my only thought is, is I've got to get myself back to my side of the yard and in the grass. So I proceed to crawl over and get in the grass and just lay there and pray that somebody else. And the road we lived on, there was traffic, but it wasn't like a ton of people drove up and down that part of the road. Long story short, the, the truck's still running, okay? Um, a van passes by, and I'm, I'm laying in my, my big belly and bleeding, <laughs> and I'm just praying, and um, all of a sudden, the, this van passes by, and I'm like, oh. I'm trying to get in the kitchen, they look at me and wave at me and keep going. And I'm like, God, what in the world is going on? Please, Jesus, help. I wasn't even worried about myself. I was worried about Peyton. You know, I'm just praying. You know, and one thing you always hear to do in those situations is stay calm. The calmer you are, you know, and so I was just like, I was just praying and just, okay, Lord, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And um, then all of a sudden, this other work truck drives by and he like slams on his brakes and it was just an electrician that was working up the road and he was like he gets out and he says a few choice words and he's like what are you doing what in the world's going on and he's like in panic mode and I'm so I try to tell him what happened he gets my truck he, 
he pulls it back over, you know, shuts the door, whatever, and then he decides. He asked me what's going on. I said, my cell phone's in there. He ends up calling. Um, did he call you? I can't remember if he called. No, Lynn called you. Anyway, he calls 911 for me because he doesn't want to move me. He doesn't know what all's happened because there's a lot of blood and stuff. But anyway, um, he says, is there anybody you can call? So I call Jason, tell Jason what's going on, or maybe Lynn did. I call my neighbor right up the road. So I'm on the phone with her, and I'm just trying to be calm. Lynn, I've had an accident. I'm laying kind of in my yard right now, the, you know, and I'm trying to, and she says a few choice words, and I've never seen her come down the hill so fast. And anyway, she gets there, and she's like, oh, my gosh, and maybe she called Jason. But anyway, I get taken to, you know, uh, hospital, he finally gets there. I mean, he's, you know, in Nashville or whatever. It takes him a long time. But I'm saying all this to say it was weird. I could feel my pain. I could feel fear trying to hit me up, even though I didn't understand stuff spiritually then like I do now. But I could feel the presence of the Lord. And isn't that funny? He's tried to take me out several times in my life, but he just didn't want to take me out. He wanted to take Peyton out, too. We serve a God that is bigger than we understand. And so when I got to the hospital, uh, I, was, I started being in a lot of pain then because it was like I almost knew that I could go, <gasps> And uh, but what was crazy when they did all the x-rays and everything else, the doctor kind of laughingly said, you know, how y I don't know if y'all know, or especially men, when you're pregnant and you're way too big and you've got too much weight on you, you actually get in trouble by the doctors. And they say you got to watch what you're eating, don't take in so much sodium. But here's what was so funny. The ER doctor said, well, praise the Lord, you're so bloated and so swollen because whatever happened with that car and all that stuff, all your bones and everything else are fine. And I was like, well, that was the Lord. <laughs> I am swollen, but that was the Lord. <laughs> so I ended up being fine. I came out with one scar, and I just knew that God had a big plan because he had tried so many times with Peyton and with me. So we serve a big God. Yeah, there you go. Okay, who was it who said they hate to talk? Norm, I was feeling, <laughs> I was feeling you um, because I hate to talk in front of church or anywhere. Um, but, um, so I was trying to reflect on, you know, um, everything that everybody else was sharing and, um, and specifically Wendy, when she was talking about like how big she was during pregnancy, because I was so big that I only could wear Justin's underwear <laughs> during certain times of my pregnancy. <laughs> that is real. I could only wear Justin's boxers. That was during Tatum's, Tatum's pregnancy. 
So, okay. So I just wanted to share this with you guys because, <laughs> because you know, you know, when I get up to talk, like, or talk, or say anything, like, I'm always joking around. I'm always, you know, I always find the humor and anything that you know is going on. I'm constantly joking around, um, you know, uh, but for good reasons. But, anyways, um, I. Um, so I document things in um, Instagram posts. Um, I'm like shaking, but um, so I wanted to share this Instagram post with you all because I have such a testimony, um, just like a current testimony. Um, so in the past year, you know, I've shared with you, um, I have been trying to get this job. And so, as of today, um, I have interviewed three times with three very, like, big deal positions. And today, I can tell you that I have walked away with zero of these positions. <laughs> but for good reason. So, um, okay. I don't even know. I'm going from an Instagram post. I don't even know. March 25th. Okay, so I'm guessing that um, I think the interview that's last interview was um, the 26th. I was 50 of um, 800, the top 50 of 800 to um, interview with a TBI. So I was. I made it to second round interviews. I um. I interviewed a couple weeks before um, with TEIS, um, TEIS is Tennessee Early Interventions. This job is cake, you know, I, after the interview I went home and literally started like getting in my closet, you know, picking out like all my work clothes because I'm going back to work, right? So I've been, um, you know, a year long process with the FBI and I'll tell you, inter I don't like to speak in front of people, but interviewing for me is, it, it's not um, worrisome. I'm, I'm really confident in what I have to deliver as far as, you know, sharing what my, you know, skills are, what my skill set is. So, um, you know, interviewing to me, all of these interviews were, you know, foolproof. They really were, you know, strong, you know, confident interviews. Um, and... So you can imagine, you know, I was just very surprised, you know, not to score, you know, one of these positions, especially, you know, the one to me that was cake that, I mean, I was getting my clothes ready, you know, to go back to work because I knew I had, I had the job. So um, this post, um, I will share with you. Um, it was two in the morning and any time that, um, I open my Bible, um, it's written in, it looks like a coloring book, um, uh, so, but anytime I open my Bible, I just, you know, I just pray before and I say, you know what, God, just show me where, you know, show me your wisdom, show me your words, show me where, you know, you want me to read. So I'm literally flipping through my Bible, and I'm just, like, scanning, because I'm like, oh, that's not it, that's not it, it's two, it's two in the morning. And um, so my Bible has these little excerpts. So 
I'm, you know, reading and preparing because, you know, I've got this interview, this second round interview that I'm preparing for. So, um, so I'm going through my Bible, you know, nothing like I'm like, this doesn't relate. This doesn't relate. And then finally I get to this part in my Bible where, and I highlight it, it says no work, no eat, work, 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 work. You know, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm trying to go back to work, right? Like, so, um, so I make this post, um, and it says, it's only 2 a.m. as I'm preparing for yet another interview. 2021 has been my year of interviews. This is a year I had specifically planned to go back to work. Tatum and Marley Bell are both, you know, they're in school, so, you know, all is well there, um. So I turn to the word for wisdom and reassurance and really to strengthen my faith. I remind myself that I am at total peace with the fact that we only walk through doors that are open. And the one who opens my doors or keeps them shut is not the one I argue with or question. So once again, which this always happens, I land on relevant scripture, the one that says, you know, the little excerpt that says work, um, reassurance that my desire to return to work, to return to full-time work is not only, is not necessarily bad, it's actually good, but what work looks like at this point, I'm unsure. It might mean that I have secured a position that is one out of 20 being offered as I was selected out of 800 candidates to be the top 50. It might mean that I will be home this summer in our kiddie pool, soaking up the sun with our girls, having dinner ready for Justin as he comes home from a long day. I choose to be happy and obedient to the plan that is for my life. I choose to be grateful and I choose to recognize that I have built, I have built and refined a skill set that has given me past opportunities contri to contribute to the lives of others. If that work isn't in the current hand that I'm being dealt, then on to refining my domestic skill sets. You might find me canning, sweeping, and drowning in laundry. Happiness all the same. Thank you, God, for continuing my journey. So, um, so one of the things that I highlighted, you know, um, is that work is his gift to us. And it means that he's supplying what we need. Um, so, you know, God giving me any task um, is just an amazing blessing. And if that means that, you know, I'm supposed to be at home with my girls and, you know, feeding into them, feeding into their lives and, you know, doing all the things that, I don't think that I'm cut out for, you know, just being at home. Um, I'm not a homemaker. Um, I don't like to clean. Uh, our laundry is always piled up. <laughs> like, all the things. But, you know, the bigger picture is that, you know, I choose to be obedient to whatever it is that God has, you know, in store for me. And, you know, and what that looks like is, you know, he's shown me and he's told me, Robin, all is well. Look at the bigger picture. You are healthy. You, you're, you know, 
Justin's healthy, the girls are healthy, all these things, you know, that we wake up, you know, every day and we don't, we don't, these things are even thoughtless, like, oh my gosh, you know, like we get out of bed, but oh my gosh, there are so many people who can't even get out of bed, you know, every day and put their actual feet on the ground, you know, so God has shown me these things and, and it's humbled me because I'm like, you know what, God, I totally get it, you know, even, even if I think that, you know, I have, you know, something else to offer or, you know, I, I want to contribute to this over here, there is a purpose and a reason that, you know, he is keeping me at bay, you know, over here and just choosing, you know, to be obedient to that um, is probably the biggest part of, you know, of my testimony at this time. So I remembered what I was gonna say. <laughs> it's just a short little thing. I just called my pap to get the answer of it. <laughs> so it kind of ties in what mom. It's. It, I mean, it's kind of like what everybody's been saying. But so my pap, he, he was. He was kind of. This was before he had married my. This was before my pap had married my nan. They hadn't had mom yet, or Richie. But my pap had a friend named Phil, and they both worked at the nuclear plant. And it, they had forklifts and 50-gallon barrels, and they were racing them in the, in the nuclear plant. <laughs> and they got, they, and, and they got fired for doing it. <laughs> but, but that year, after he got fired that year, almost everyone that was there died from cancer. I can't remember what type of cancer it was. Peyton might know what type of cancer it was. Okay, he doesn't know. But <laughs> I can't remember. But if he wouldn't have done that and he wouldn't have gotten fired, he probably would have died from cancer. And I wouldn't be here. Mom wouldn't be here. Peyton wouldn't be here. And so that's just another way that God has it. Just look how amazing our God is to make Pappy do, to make Pappy do, to make Pappy do something that looks stupid and foolish, but really it's a very good thing that he did it. Okay. All right. Mine's going to be really quick, but um, y'all know that I'm a nurse as well, and so several months ago, I had this patient, well, we all had this patient, he had Lewy body dementia, and he was just roaming all over the place, I'm telling you, he was going in everybody's rooms, we were trying to keep him in his room, and all the nurses were like, does he have Ativan, does he have anything that we can give him to calm him down, and I was like, no, no, that's not what we need to do, I was like, we'll figure something out, so... I kind of adopted him with me, and we were walking everywhere. He was walking with me to see my other patients. And finally, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to put on a Christian song and just play it and see if that kind of calms him down. Well, Lewy body dementia is very progressive. It's very rapid, and it's very, very evil. It's not something that you want to have. My grandmother actually just passed away from it a couple of days ago. Um, and so this man... 
I put this Christian song on, and he sat in his room and listened to this song on repeat, and he sang every single word. He knew every single word. This was a man that didn't, couldn't remember how to put on his clothes. He couldn't remember how to hold a fork to eat, but he sang every single word to that song, and that's not even the coolest part. So I worked there, and I ended up getting a new job at UT, which was my dream job. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. And so then I'm going back to school to get my bachelor's degree, right? And so I had to have some clinicals. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to call them because I already know them. I know they'll let me come do some clinicals there. And so I went. And they had me doing clinicals in the ER, which is something that I don't have any experience with, don't want any experience there. And so I was sitting there, and we got a call over the radio that Metro was coming in with a code blue cardiac arrest. And so we were all like, okay, like, let's get prepared, let's go. And so they bring this man in, and I'm just kind of sitting in the back corner, and I was like, whoa, like, I think I recognize him. I was like, he looks really familiar to me. And so I just kind of sit back. Well, after um, he ended up not being a cardiac arrest, they think he had a stroke or something, but basically he was nonverbal, couldn't talk, could barely, like, lift his head. After the hustle and bustle of everything, everybody left the room, and so he was just laying in there. Well, he started trying to climb out of bed, and so I went in there, and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go in there, see if I can calm him down. Oh, I get chills. So I go in there, and I said, hey, Mr. So-and-so, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I'm Kaylee, and I took care of you several months ago. He looked me straight in the face, and he started singing the exact same song that I had played for him in his room that day, and it was just the most incredible experience in the whole world. It was awesome, and so God doesn't care, um, you know, what you've got going on on the outside. Physically, you know, we're going to go through things. We're all going to have old, decrepit bodies at some point that's got disease and everything but if you have Jesus in your heart it doesn't matter and so he's gonna stay there all right maybe one more because I know everybody's getting hungry one more Uh oh here she comes Justin we'll uh we'll cover all that trauma from her stealing your underwear men's group buddy <laughs> Um, so when Jason first talked about giving um, a testimony, the Lord put something on my heart that I um, normally don't talk about. Um, so before I speak, though, I just want to I just want to start out with prayer. Um, so God, I ask that you would come and that you would speak through me, Lord. I pray that these wouldn't be my words, but that they would be yours. And I thank you for every um, one of these testimonies given today, God. I thank you that there's power in our testimonies. Um, and I thank you just um, for showing up here this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Um, so a few years back, um, I got diagnosed with hyperthyroidism, and for those of you who don't know what that is, um, it's when your uh, thyroid overworks itself. Um, and so I'd gotten uh, put on medicine for that, and it had been fine for about two years. Um, when I got close to the two-year point, I went in for one of my just everyday checkups. Everything was fine. Um, and they told me that my medicine that I'd been on had totally 
completely quit working. Um, and so there wasn't another option, but they gave me two options. Um, they said that you can have uh, kind of like radiotherapy um, to where it would go in and pretty much kill my thyroid, um, or I can have surgery and have it completely taken out. Um, and they'd never really seen this um, in somebody at a young age. This was in 2017, so I was still in high school at this point. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of fear um, instilled in me. Um, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge of spiritual warfare back then, um, but I do now. Uh, so I definitely realized uh, what was going on and how the enemy was working in my life. Um, and so through that process, um, for some reason, I kept hearing the Lord telling me to have surgery. Um, and that was a harder route because what I didn't know is I went in for my final appointment to set up the surgery. And he said, if you have this surgery, it could either completely damage your spine and you'll have to have another surgery um, or it could extremely damage your vocal cords. Um, and so my mom looked at me and she said, like, it's up to you. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And he actually sat there and he tried to talk me out of having this surgery. Um, but for some reason, I had just a peace within me. And I looked at him and I said, no, like, I need to have this surgery. Um, so they got on it. Two weeks later, I go in to have my surgery. Um, I think it was about a seven-hour surgery. Um, I had two doctors working on me. Um, and I came out of that surgery, and it went completely great. Um, everything was awesome, and I was actually, I remember I was in my hospital room, and I had a nurse come in uh, to work on me um, to make sure I didn't need new bandages, check on me, whatever. Um, and she was talking to me, and I was talking back to her, and she was actually surprised at how well my voice was. Um, just coming out of this surgery because usually it puts a strain on your vocal cords um, and you really struggle to talk after the surgery. Um, so for me, what God has put on my heart this morning is in Matthew. There's a parable of the three servants. And God gave servants, um, three of them, money. He gave each of them money and then he left them. Well, when he came back, one of the servants had doubled what Jesus left him. And he said, um, good job, uh, my faithful servant. And the other one who had money, he went and he invested and he grew his funds. And he said, good job, well done, my faithful servant. And the third one that he had given money to, um, he went and hid it because he was so scared of losing it. And God took it from him and he said, go away from me. So I say all this to say that Satan is going to come in and he's going to try to stop you from using your spiritual gifts and from using your voice. And I just want to say that there is power in your testimonies that tells us that in the Bible. So when we are leaving this place, I just want to encourage everybody in here to go and use your gifts and to go and speak. Even if you're sitting there and your hands are sweaty and you don't want to do it and he's instilling fear in you, do it anyways because Satan hates it. Um, and this morning, like, I'm extremely blessed to say that we do serve a living, risen Savior because he is no longer in the grave. And I think that's something that we should all get excited about and that we should go and use our gifts for. 
Go ahead, man. Oh, we're not done yet. Yeah, and bring, like, bring, hopefully you brought, like, a lounge chair, toys, whatever. Just We're just going to hang out and have a good time. Okay, so when the Lord is poking at you to say something, you know, Jason comes Thursday night says, hey, I'm going to challenge you guys to give your testimony. So I come in with preconceived thoughts of this is what I'm going to do this morning, and it's not. So I can't walk out this door this morning because God's telling me there's somebody in here that doesn't know him. I don't know who you are, but I'm here to tell you that God loves you, that you're worthy, and no matter what you've done, Jesus loves you through all that. God on the cross here for you. So whoever you are, Jesus loves you, and if you want to know Jesus and you want to know how to know Jesus, just come up here to Wendy and Jason. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I felt like I needed to say that this morning because I just want to tell you the parable of the lost sheep because this is my story and how Jesus chased me down when I was unworthy and unlovable and thought that I couldn't receive his love. And so I'm just going to tell you this parable. It's out of Luke 15. It says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. God rejoices over the sinner, the sinner. So if there's anyone in here who feels like your sin is too big or you feel too dirty or you feel unlovable, I'm telling you, you are not. You are worthy. You are lovable. Jesus covers it all, all of the sin, everything. He's wiped it clean. There was once a time when I felt unlovable. I felt like I wasn't good enough. And all these things that are not from the Lord. So I'm just telling you, if there's anybody in here, so one thing that I live my life on is I don't miss the one. And I don't want to walk out of this service and miss the one today. I don't want to ask the one person that doesn't know the Lord. So if you don't, I don't want to embarrass you. But if you don't know the Lord, just come up to Winnie and Jason, and they can tell you how to receive him today. So we're going to we're going to end with a quick video just to kind of close the loop on the video we started earlier. Peter. Peter. Everyone. The tomb is open. He's alive. That's not possible. I saw him. Mary, maybe it was someone else. You think got mad. Peter. See the tomb for yourself. Now, do you believe me?
he's gone. Gone? No. He's back. I need a cup and some wine. What happened? His body. His blood. I am the way. The truth. And the life. Stop doubting. have not seen me and yet have believed when the Holy Spirit comes to you You'll receive power. The power of the Holy Spirit can be with you all, whatever you are. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Peace be with you. So the man that started out dejected because he denied Jesus and said, I'll never get the chance to tell him I'm sorry, ends the video by saying, guys, we have work to do.
just like Mandy said, he left the 99 for every one of us. And we have work to do. So we honor him by bragging on him, and we honor him by spreading the gospel. That's your challenge. Father, thank you for this day that we celebrate the resurrected Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for making this happen, for going through the suffering. Thank you for leaving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for showing us an example of a man that walked with you, that even though he denied you, you redeemed him and gave him the purpose. Without him, without you redeeming him, we have no church today. So, Father, thank you for that example that no matter what we've done, that man physically denied Jesus to his face. But he was used to spread the gospel all over the world and to establish the church. So, Father, let that be an encouragement to us today. It doesn't matter what we've done wrong. We're going to stand up here all day long and brag about how Jesus can and will fix it. And we have a job to do in Jesus' name. Amen.